So today, we are doing a simple church format of our church. And for the sermon slot, and uh, we had a, a, a missionary visit our church uh, who had witnessed multiplicate, multiplicative church growth in Mongolia. And the two things that he spoke about when he shared with our church and, and with our leaders is that uh, the, kingdom, the kingdom of God is always growing. It should, it should always be expanding. But there are two things that usually stop a church from, from growing. Uh, and that's if something's too complex and if we're not trusting the work of the Holy Spirit in our people. So every once in a while we like to do a simple church just to go at the opposite spirit of those two things. What's more simple than gathering together and hearing some stories about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of our people. So we have um, Lori Wang, Joe Aguiar, and Brenda. Uh, Lori and her family help out in various ways around the church. They help out with uh, church, uh, actually the chairs and everything set up on a weekly basis. Lori serves on the finance committee, so she kind of goes through things and makes sure that uh, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Uh, Joe and Tiff help out with the Sozo team, with Keiki Ministry, and they've led uh, multiple forms of Ohana groups over the years, some long-term ongoing ones and, and some short specialty ones. Brenda is on the core ministry leadership team, uh, my partner in the Ohana group leadership uh, team and also just uh, an amazing voice of wisdom amongst our people. Uh, so we're just going to share a little bit about the All Church Retreat uh, this morning and the theme of the All Church Retreat was generations and we talked a lot about that but we also gave a lot of space for the Lord to speak in multiple ways. Um, so one of the ways that we gave him a chance to speak was through scripture we did Bible study together, and that was personally one of my favorite times that we gathered around. Uh, we studied a passage in John 12. Um, we heard the lo Lord through community, so we organized in small groups. We talked about scripture. Uh, we gave each other nicknames. Uh, we talked uh, about how we could own uh, each other more and, and those coming into the church more. Uh, we had a chance... Uh, to hear the Lord in silence, uh, also in structured times and unstructured, unstructured times. And specifically, we were asking God to empower us that we might produce legacies with our lives. And uh, this morning, I'm joined by a couple of attenders that feel like they had received a word from the Lord. Um, but specifically through um, supernatural ministry. Um, so wanted to ask them, what was the word that they received? How has it impacted them? And how are they kind of taking steps towards fulfilling that? So Lori, can you share a bit with us? I, I realized... Um, 
midweek that uh, the people that were led uh, for us to ask to share are normally very uh, quiet people <laughs> and don't prefer speaking to large uh, audiences. So thank you guys for, for sharing. My struggle began last year at church camp when the theme was finding our big God-given purpose. I had the most difficult time because we were supposed to start by examining our giftings and passions. My passions are singing and traveling, but I'm tone deaf and I have three children under the age of seven, so traveling's out of the question. What are my giftings? I couldn't think of anything except that I'm super detail-oriented and I have an unsettling love for accounting. But I can't even help anyone with their taxes because I spent my public accounting career as an auditor, not a tax preparer. Towards the end of the camp, I felt God revealed to me that my purpose was to indirectly bring people to God by being a support person for my husband, Stuart, who is always on the front lines advocating for God. I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like, but I imagined it meant that I should single-handedly take care of my kids without complaining so he could be free to minister to friends over a meal without distraction. I also envisioned hosting a small groups at our house and helping him sort out the details if he ever planned a big event such as a retreat for our care group again. I wasn't ecstatic about my purpose, especially the part about taking the kids off his hands so he could give people his undivided attention. When I shared this in my small group at camp, my lack of enthusiasm for my big God-given purpose left everyone thinking that perhaps that wasn't truly my calling at all. I was devastated. I hadn't heard correctly from God and I had no purpose again. I attended the Holy Spirit retreat in April with high hopes that God would impart some kind of gifting on me so that I could learn and pursue my purpose. But as far as I could tell, nothing changed except that my frustration grew and sense of worthlessness increased. As I continued to seek answers, my focus turned toward the annual church camp because I knew the Holy Spirit always shows up there. I was totally bummed when I learned that I wouldn't be able to make it to church camp after all due to another commitment that I couldn't bail on. But then church camp was postponed by two weeks. What were the chances of that? <laughs> it's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> I felt this date change was entirely orchestrated by God because he wanted me at that camp in order to deliver a word for me, and he did not disappoint. On Saturday night, Robin, who had never spoken to Stu or me prior to this, that moment, told us, told us right off the bat that the Lord has partnered us together and gifted us with hospitality. Whoa, this was not at all what I expected to hear because hosting events at our house caused this major friction between us. I had already made up my mind that I was going to drop out of our small group's hosting rotation because of the argument that ensued the first and last time we hosted. Did Robin hear right? Well, I guess he did because he went on to acknowledge how I get caught up in all the details of hosting. What are we going to serve? How is everyone going to fit in our house? How are we going to clean our house in time? And that my obsession over making these little details perfect was robbing me of the joy of hosting. Mm. The entire experience was absolutely overwhelming for me. I can't find the words to adequately express how the creator of the universe, I'm sorry, I can't find the words to adequately express how special and loved I feel to have the creator of the universe take notice of me when I'm just an insignificant speck in this vast universe. And not only does he see me amongst seven and a half billion people in this world, but he truly knows my heart and is concerned with what I'm feeling and thinking. This was always something I knew in my head, 
but on Saturday night, I finally felt that connection to God that I had been longing for, and I now believe it in my heart. The Lord knows how I always discount myself to just being a mom and wife and that I feel I have nothing to offer anyone. But he says, no, that's not true. And the mere deed of inviting people into our house is in fact a way in which we serve him. This prophecy was also validation for me that I actually do hear from the Lord. Ever since last year's church camp, I had second guessed whether these things I heard were truly from God. But Robin confirmed that for me explicitly and was also able to clarify what I th thought I heard at the prior year's camp regarding my purpose. Mm. I am not Stu's support person, but his partner. And what we contribute when we host an event is equally important. The Lord is delight, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> while Stu welcomes everyone verbally, I make people feel welcome physically, and Robin says that the Lord is delighted by the steps I go through to ensure our home is a welcoming environment for our guests. As always, the Lord's timing could not have been more perfect because on Sunday evening, we hosted over 60 people at our house for a worship and prayer night in order to pray for healing for a dear friend who's battling cancer. You, usually, when we host events at our house, I dedicate the day before to cleaning. This time, after unpacking from camp and getting the kids fed, we only had about four hours to clean and get our house set up. You'd think that with the time constraint adding extra pressure to the situation, that we are guaranteed to get into a major argument before our guests came. But I think there was a mood shift in me, knowing that in preparing for this gathering, I was actually serving our Lord, and more importantly, that he appreciated my efforts, even if other people, who shall remain nameless, thought it was unnecessary. <laughs> I was able to let go of my obsession with perfection and even let my six-year-old do the mopping and my three-year-old wipe down the tables. We had a lot of friends in attendance that night who have stopped going to church. I'm hopeful that when Robin said that as people come into our house, their thoughts will come back to them, they'll be set in their right mind, and they'll rediscover who they are that he was referring to those friends who have fallen away and that God used the worship and prayer night to lead them back to him. Only time will tell. In the meantime, Stu and I will remain faithful to our calling to provide a time and place for people to gather and welcome God into our midst. So <clears throat> when we were planning this, I. Lori uh, shared that she had, like, she had known that she was going to receive a word prior to the retreat, and she, would, she, had, she had a lot of faith for it. Um, so she arrived at the retreat very expectant. Um, and Joe, on the other hand, <laughs> was different. Um, he shared with me that he had kind of like dragged his feet. He was a bit unwilling uh, to do so. So we have a story of somebody approaching the retreat uh, and hearing from the Lord very expectant expectantly and uh, one from Joe which was maybe doubting uh, or not as expectant. Uh, yep. So like TJ said, um, wasn't really wanting to go to the retreat, but my wife said I had to go, so I went. Um, and I had, a, I had all these questions answered, and I, I kind of knew what I was going to talk about today, but just kind of had a rough morning with my son, and um, 
So I just thought I'm going to kind of wing it today. So if I say anything awkward, I'm going to apologize already. But it's probably better than me looking at my phone the whole time. We're, we're very um, adept to awkwardness. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Um, so going to the retreat, um, let me look at my questions real quick here. So what did you receive from the retreat? Well, first of all, I went to the retreat, again, with not the best attitude. Uh, but after worship, Saturday evening, you know, kind of worship has that effect of kind of cleaning the crap off you, you know, kind of get all that weekly stuff out. So I felt like I was in a good place. Um, and then the speaker, Robin, he came up, and then he started giving words. And I'm very introverted. Like, I'm very much Pastor Jordan, which is why I like attending this church because he doesn't really talk to me too much. So <laughs> we don't have to have that social awkwardness. It's like two people who can't dance or like stepping on each other's toes. Um, so I'm very introverted. So when the words come out, I kind of start to slide down in my sleep. I don't know if anybody else does that, but that's definitely me and Ari over there. I see you, Ari. It's not that I don't want to receive a word. It's just being the center of attention as you have to stand up just terrifies me. So, um, but I was glad that he looked around and he spotted me anyway. Um, and then I got this awesome word that I really needed for where I'm at right now. Um, so the word was that, well, first of all, he said, he had me stand up and he said, um, well, but I'm, he was, looked at me and he said, all right, you guys don't really know this guy, kind of. He's like, and that's kind of my, I give a very bad first impression because I'm so quiet and I don't talk to people, so I usually get the stuck-up label. But it's just because I don't know what to say. So if I've ever talked to you and it's been an awkward conversation, <laughs> it's because I never know what to say. And uh, so I, I often don't engage in much conversation. So I get kind of a bad label. I, get, I give kind of a bad first impression, so I do apologize for that. Um, so he kind of called it out immediately. He kind of talked about how uh, people see you one way, but you're really this way. So he kind of grabbed my attention right off. Um, and then the word was about being a father. And like I said this morning, I don't feel like I'm a very good father. Um, I struggle a lot. You, know, you get angry at your kids. You get impatient with your kids. Um, I didn't grow up with a good father, so I don't really... Um, I don't really know what that looks like. I'm kind of learning. I'm kind of reading books. I'm kind of being taught by my wife. So, um, But I do love my son, and I try to love on him as much as possible. But I know I struggle in some of the other fatherly things. So the word was about me being a father. So a guy who's already not good at it, and then the speaker is telling me that I'm going to be um, kind of being a father-like figure to other kids. And uh, so that was kind of scary for me. And then I kind of reflected on where what he's done with me this past year. And this past year, I, um, so I, I'm a PE teacher, and I coach at my school. Um, but after that, I don't really do much else. I'm kind of burned out after that, and I don't really do much outside of that. But this year, God just, I don't know, he's throwing me in everything. I put my son in a basketball thing, and I just wanted to sit in the stands and watch my son play in this basketball league. And then I get a phone call, oh, we really need a coach, and if we don't get a coach, we can't have a team. So I end up coaching this team. I didn't want to coach. I just want to watch. But I'm coaching, and I'm working with these kids, and it's on my weekend, and it's after work, and I thought I'd be burned out. But I just loved it, you know. I loved working with these little guys. And I do it all day at work, so I don't know why I love this even more, but I really, I really enjoyed working with these kids. And I could see that God was using me um, with these kids and with these families. I mean, 
youth sports is like this untapped field. I mean, it's amazing. If you, if you can coach and volunteer youth sports, you don't have to be good at it. I mean, I'm coaching soccer right now. I'm terrible. But God can use you there. And I think he's kind of been using me uh, during that basketball season. I got to talk, have, had great conversation with parents. Um, and some of them go to church and some don't. So it was a great opportunity there. And I found out I loved it. And then he did it again because my son played soccer. And again, the same phone call. Hey, we need a coach. Like, all right, I'll do it again. Um, and again, the same thing, like crazy kids running all over the place, holding their eyes shut as we play soccer. I mean, it's total disaster, but I love these kids. And I think you're just loving on them, and they'll love you right back. Um, yesterday's game was chaos. Um, the other team had this boy playing linebacker, and we're playing soccer. So he's charging down the field, and he's just blowing kids up. And... You can tell, I was talking to the coach after, and he's like, oh, man, it's been a horrible season because the other coaches get mad at this boy and the other parents get mad this boy is destroying their kids. And I felt like I got to bring peace to the situation. You know, I felt like um, just as a Christian, I feel like God's kind of giving me that peace even in the crazy situation. So in a game that should have been everybody getting irate and angry, it was a game where both parents just kind of laughed it off, and me and the coach had a good laugh about it during the game. Of course, the boy had to come out because there's some blatant fouls, but we kept trying to get them back in there, and everybody kind of left with a good feeling, and I think that's what, you know, we can bring to things, you know, as, as Christians. We can kind of do these youth sports or crazy things we don't think we're qualified for, but God somehow plugs us in. Um, and then the other thing is at work, uh, there's these advisory things, and again, I'm already teaching and coaching. I didn't want to add another thing, but they wanted us to work with our sixth graders in these small groups, three kids, right? Or not, there's like five kids. Uh, and it's all these, you're supposed to sit with them and talk. So again, not my strength again. And you're supposed to talk about like awkward things. So like I have five boys. You're supposed to talk about how to talk to girls or what do you do if a girl likes you. I'm like, I don't know how to talk to girls. <laughs> I, I'm horrible at that. But, you know, you just kind of wing it and you let God kind of put things in your heart and your mind and kind of share with these boys. And another one was on uh, academic dishonesty. I guess they cheat on tests. And I went to St. Louis. We cheated on every test. I don't know how to share anything with them. But I don't know. I think God's, God's using me there. And like I said, every time I work with these kids, like these small groups, I really, I really enjoy it. And I feel like God has me where he wants me. Um, and I felt like the word I got was just this confirmation that, all right, God has you where he wants you. You're totally unqualified, but you're not terrible. And, uh, and then the other thing that impacted me was what Sonia shared. I and mean, she talked about getting an upgrade. And I felt like that's something I really needed. So I just felt like, all right, God, if you're going to have me doing all these fatherly things, and I don't feel like I'm a great father already, um, then I really I need that upgrade. You know, I need to be, I need to be better. Um, spiritually and stronger to handle whatever you're going to throw in my way. Um, so I felt like he was, and the other word, this is the, there's a three-parter here. The other one was that I wasn't going to sleep much. And I'm like, come on, man. I, I got two kids. Me and Tiff fight over sleep right now. To give up sleep is tough, but I really felt like lately he's been wanting me to get up a little bit earlier, not crazy early, um, and just kind of spend some time with him. And I know that every time I do that, um, I just enter my day better. Um, and I just kind of need that spiritual upgrade daily for me. Um, so I, I started this week once. I got up a little earlier. I'll try to make it twice next week, slowly. 
Uh, and then the other thing was small groups. We led small groups for a long time, but since our kids, second kid, we haven't really led small group much, but I feel like it's a time where we probably need to go back to small group, and I need to, oh, yeah, Brenda's right here. It's my free commercial for her. Um, yeah, and I need to just talk to other parents about how to be a better father and how to be a, uh, a better Christian, so I feel like that's something I need to do to get my upgrade, like Sonia said. And I think I answered all the questions, did I? Okay. Thank you so much, Lori and Joe, for your stories. I mean, I was so inspired to hear how God's working in each of your lives. And for quiet people, you guys are awesome, dynamic speakers. So now everybody in the church, we know their story, right? Are they awesome? Yeah. And I think one of the joys for me at the church retreat was I just love to be with people and see God at work in the people. And then at the end of the retreat, Robin met with um, the leadership team and he was giving words. And then I was like so excited because we all wanted a word, right? And one of the things he said to me is, oh, the church. Oh, you love the church. He's talking about me. Um, you love the church because you want to see everyone together, having a good time with God. And the other thing that I love is to see when God um, grows and empowers the people in the Bible. I mean, the Bible, yeah, in the Bible and in the body. And so I felt like that was what the retreat was for me, to see God at work with each person. And just to hear your stories, um, I feel like we're so blessed and we see more of God. So I hope that we take this opportunity at Blue Water to be the church, to hear each other's stories, to be excited because we have that sense of our, this is our ohana. And, you know, when your mom or dad or your brother or sister or daughter or son, when they do something great, aren't you excited? Yeah, and I feel like that's what God wants for us at Blue Water. And um, as I was praying about, is there a scripture that God wants for us right after the retreat? The Lord led me to two short parables. It's listed in your bulletin, and I'm going to read them. Mark 4, 26 to 32. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, when he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and go grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through and then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. I feel like these two parables show us what the kingdom of God is like. In the first parable, the farmer plants a seed, and I am not really good 
and planting. As a matter of fact, the Lord allowed me to live in Waimanalo where there's a lot of water and good land and things started growing, but it's never really because I planted them. And, but I think that's the thing that's great about farming. We just plant the seed and we're not responsible for the growing. So in this parable, the seed is planted and then it pops up in the ground, it grows, and then there is that point where it becomes grain and it's harvested. And so the farmer gets the joy of experiencing the harvest, to see that this little seed is dropped in. The mysterious thing about this first parable is all we do is sow the seed. God is the one that causes it to grow. And then we get the joy of seeing the harvest and reaping the harvest. The second parable is a seed again. It's the mustard seed, a very, very small seed dropping in the ground, and then it grows into a big tree, big enough to shelter birds, big enough to be a place where others can find shelter. And I felt like, oh, this is really what God is doing in, um, in our body. For the last month or so, Jordan's been talking about ownership. And if you're new, he's been talking about ownership as it is very different than possessing. So when you own it, you're thinking about their benefit. When you're just possessing it, you're just thinking about your benefit. So Jordan was challenging us from God's eyes. He wants us to own our, the church right here. He wants us to own people in our lives that he's placed there. And it sounds kind of overwhelming. Does it sound kind of overwhelming? I'm supposed to own all these people? Yeah. Sounds overwhelming to own people that come into your house, the people that you're entrusted with. It's hard even if you're married to own your husband or wife sometimes and your children. So what does this mean? And I feel like God is giving us a simple picture. All we have to do is sow seeds of love and God's word. Seeds, okay, let's just repeat it. Seeds of love and God's word. One more time. Seeds of love and God's word. So I believe that each one of us here, we can sow a seed of love. What do you guys think? Yeah. And there's something small or big that we know about God's word. Yeah. And that's all we have to do. And we have the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us, giving us um, divine appointments, placing people in our lives, changing the date of the retreat, you know, all kinds of things. And all we need to do is step out to love. All we need to do is step out to bring something of God's word. And the exciting thing is he is the one that grows it. All we have to do is sow that seed. And I think that the contrast is if I feel like I have to make this crop grow. It has to turn into a tree. It has to bring shelter to others. What's going to happen is I'm going to start getting possessive and controlling. Like, you better do this. You better do this now. You better do this next week. And then it's not really God growing it. And I think that's why this par these parables are so exciting. The mystery of the kingdom is we just sow the seed, water it. God waters it. And then God grows it. And we don't know what's going to happen. Boom, the shoot comes out. One day it becomes grain and it's harvested. And then in the second parable, we sow love. 
We sow God's word, and then it becomes the biggest shrub of all. Big enough for birds can find rest. And I believe that that's what Jordan was talking about for generations. That we become that tree, and one day we're like, whoa, how can I get to this place where now I'm offering shelter to others? I think it's just being open. Like, grow me, Lord. Grow me into that tree. Grow me into that plant. Grow me into that place that brings others shelter. And that's the good news that I want to bring us together today, that God is the one that grows. God is the one that grows people. We don't have to control it. We don't have to pressure people. We don't have to make it happen. We don't even have to have a grandiose plan, even though there's nothing wrong with planning. But God is the one, if we just take those steps of sowing love, asking the Holy Spirit, how should I sow love? And is there something of God's word that I can sow into these relationships? Okay, so um, the Lord um, gave me these pictures of these parables, but then he also gave me a picture of a story that I get to share with you guys. Um, we had an awesome retreat last week, and this weekend actually we're still having um, our InterVarsity Retreat is a college ministry that I work with, and they're all camping up at Camp Ho'omaluhia Gardens, and record, record retreat, it didn't rain up there. It was like forecasting Saturday and Sunday raining, and it rains every year, and our tents always get flooded every year. That's why when I was uh, camping at the church retreat, I said, wow, this is a new way to camp. Your tent is not flooded. <laughs> but I, I have permission to share a story of um, somebody that is up at the college um, camp, Angel, my housemate. Yeah, and I, I got to slip away a couple of um, hours here to be, be with you guys, but I felt like Angel's story is something that I feel like illustrates this picture of God growing a seed. So, and I have permission from her. I went over this whole story, and she said, I said, can I share your story? And she's 21 right now, and guess what she says? absolutely if my story will transform anybody's lives share it so if she was here she'd be sitting on one of these chairs and i'd be interviewing her so when she comes back to church you guys can all interview her because she knows that i'm sharing her story so over three years ago god brought angel and her dog bubbles into my house into my house in waimanalo and she came in as a renter so she was aging out of the foster system because she was just about to turn 18. And she had some money that the government was extending to her that could help with rent. And I felt like, wow, taking this girl that's aging out from the foster system and her dog. And at that moment, I had another dog that was very short-lived in my house. But <laughs> I thought, this is kind of like beyond what I could do but I thought okay she seems like a very sweet girl the dog seems very sweet I'll say yes but remember this is a girl that's in the foster system she didn't have family and parental support through her intermediate and high school years so you can imagine how it went but God told me and, and my then housemates that year was Michelle and Naomi Wong we just kept sowing seeds of love and God's word Michelle and Naomi were having a Bible study with her every day. And um, they were sowing gloves. And then, I, of course, I invited her to InterVarsity. And she said, well, I'll go to InterVarsity because um, 
Brenda won't ask me to go anymore. So when she went to InterVarsity, the first time she committed her life to Jesus. And Angel would say, you know, if Auntie B didn't take me in, I might have been houseless. And I believe that she might have also been a victim of human trafficking, looking for love and looking for love in the wrong places. But God brought her into my house the first time she visited InterVarsity. She became a Christian. I mean, she recommitted to her life. She had a church background, but she recommitted her life to Christ. And then it was Jason and Jasmine and friends from InterVarsity that kept sowing in seeds of love. And she came to Blue Water because, you know, she came to church with me. And you guys kept sowing seeds of love, and Jordan sowed the word into her life. She got people praying for her at the prayer line. So we see this community sowing seeds of love and God's word into angels. So I just want to say, at age 21, what has God done? God has taken this person that had no home, no family, brought healing into her life. And since then, she got reunited with both her father and her mother as an answer to prayer. She is now a small group leader in InterVarsity. That's why she's up at camp leading her small group this morning. And she's going to school at Honolulu Community College where there's no InterVarsity. And she has vision to start a ministry there. And she's praying about planting a Bible study there. Angel is our worship leader at InterVarsity. She doesn't really play an instrument, so she's kind of trusting the Lord to see how he's doing. But she's leading worship. She's leading a Bible study. And she's moving in her spiritual gifts. She has the gift of prophecy. And she also has the gift of interpreting tongues, which actually she's the first person I've met. And even when I prayed for her last night, she's like, oh, yes, the Lord is encouraging me. And the Lord is encouraging me through your tongue. The king is here. The king will do it. I'm like, really? <laughs> so it's just interesting. But I think that when we think of how we want to see somebody grow and flourish, we didn't make it happen. It wasn't a plan in any of our books. But it was in God's plan. And all we did was so love and God's word and this plant started growing harvest came into the kingdom gave herself to the Lord is growing and now she is at age 21 she is a shrub where people are finding rest her small group her friends from high school she's been inviting them to university and church this whole time and nobody has come but recently two of her friends um, are coming one wanted to go to the retreat but her Dad wouldn't let her, but she's really interested in the gospel, the good news. And another one is her high school friend that came to InterVarsity last week, and he's working, and he said he's going to change his work schedule so he could be part of learning more about God. So I just want to encourage us that all of us have seeds that God wants us to sow, and she especially loved this upcoming sentence that I'm going to say, who are the angels in your life? So I'm going to just have us take a moment of silence and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us who are the angels in your life. Lord, we just ask you right now, show us who are the people that you're putting in our life that you want us to love, that you want us to sow your word. Lord, it might be challenging, it might be out of the box, it might not be what we expected, but Lord, we want to say yes. So in this moment of silence, I just want us 
Ask the Holy Spirit to highlight people in your life that he's calling you to own, that he's calling you to love, that he's calling you to say our. I'm not just going to think of me, but I'm going to think of our. And right now, let's just put those people into God's hands. Lord, I give you these people. I want to say yes to sowing seeds of love and God's word into their lives. I believe that you're going to grow it. You're going to cause that blade to pop out and grow. And you're going to cause the wheat to be harvested. And I'm going to share in the joy of harvest as I see your work in these people's lives. Lord, I'm going to sow seeds of love and your word into these people that they will turn into a tree, not because I'm doing it, but because you are growing it. That's how it is in your kingdom, that these people are going to, it's going to be generations. You're going to see people be able to give life and breath and your life to others. So, Lord, we look forward to everything that you're going to do. We thank you for Angel. And I forgot to mention this, Lord. We thank you that two years ago, you healed bubbles of gallbladder and liver disease. And now she's still alive, running around like a young puppy. So, Lord, we want to welcome you into our lives to do the unexpected, as Stuart and, and um, Lori are doing, as Joe and Tiff are doing, Lord. We welcome you to increase our tents so that there would be more harvest, so that it would be more people reached for your kingdom and so that we could share in your joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.